I know we talk about this every episode, but I love that music. <laughs> I'm, I'm lukewarm on it still. I, all right, well, I'm not going to change your opinion on that, but that's fine. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, we'll figure it out someday. Welcome, everybody, to Hank's B2 Tom. It comes up in all of our recordings anyway, so fuck it at this point. It's part of the bit. If you don't know, my name is Zeke. And my name is Randy. We are two very close friends. I'd call ourselves breast friends. Mm-hmm. I love you, Randy. I mean, I consider you my best friend, but if you don't consider me, if you don't consider me your best friend, then that's fine. I'll just uh, hold that against you forever. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this is a podcast dedicated to our favorite actor, Tom Mr. Hanks. Tom Hanks. Mr. Tom Hanks. I want to just Lord go at- Tom Hanks, Sir Tom Hanks, <laughs> Sir Tom Hanks. <laughs> His Excellency Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's a, he's the Knight of the American Armory or whatever. I've been reading a, a George Washington uh, biography, and you know they talk about His Excellency George Washington, yeah. and I feel like I know it. It's funny that you just went because <laughs> that's kind of how George Washington approached it too. He was always kind of like Ugh. George Washington kind of sucked as a human. Yeah. I mean, he was a great leader and he was a great president, but like <laughs> his personality was very much like spoiled milk. Two very boring minutes later. Welcome to Hank's Beat of Tom. And before we dive into uh, this episode about Hank's uh, journey through the network comedies, I feel like we need to get something out of the way because. I know that it's bothering Randy, and if it's bothering Randy, it's bothering me, because him and I talk constantly, whether we're in the same room or not. Um, Randy, why don't you just go ahead and talk about your feelings about Chet Hanks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's... I know we're I know we're trying not to keep this pod in in current events, right, right. but it's clearly bothering you. It's a because new my phone is it's being a new obsession. inundated with <laughs> Chet Hanks memes and clips, memes and, I made, <laughs> and and just the things that you're you're clearly upset about it, or you're clearly very passionate about it. I should say, talk about Chet Hanks. Go. It's just, I like, I don't want to shit on him for, like, weird cultural appropriation or whatever. Everyone has a blind spot on something and how they hurt or disenfranchise someone. Some peoples are apparently the size of any country with uh, a person of color in it. But just his Instagram and the douche chilliness of White Boy Summer. White Boy Summer might be the most tone deaf. I know. It's so crazy. Uh, and the fact that he does... The, <laughs> I actually... I, you, I love that. Did you pull... Oh, you love that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't pull the sound. I, I do want to add it. Uh, I I deliberately didn't tell him to do the... <laughs> uh, 
I think because it's a- <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to kind of catch him off guard with the Chet Hanks because I think the exact way I spelled uh. it out from I've listened to it so many times. He does a fake laugh. He goes, "If it's White Boy Summer, is it?" I think he says African Queen Summer, and he goes. Yeah, but if you know me, you know every day with me is African Queen Summer. <laughs> Respectfully. It's so bad. I think we need to edit that in. It's it's I'll put it right after that so you can see that I'm probably like a B plus close to how what that is. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, and he does it like in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Like he's not even through with a sentence and then he goes <laughs> Dude, it's like a a, a amigo's ad lib. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just um. All right. I was, I don't want to shit on him whenever everyone has weird points in their life and stuff. He seems like he's just going through some shit. Well, I, I like. I hope he pulls the nose up because like I literally I went out of my way to like find scenes he was in like a couple of lines and stuff, and he's not bad. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I didn't want you to hold that in. I didn't want you to hold it in and. Uh, have it affect your performance on the podcast. All right. So Tom Hanks is still doing television. We, well, he did his little mazes yeah. and monsters in between this, but he it's also, all, we don't know the air dates. We're just all around this time. And then it gets a lot easier for us to follow the timeline with movie releases. Right. So today we're going to talk about his run on happy days, family ties, and taxi. Let's start with taxi. So I have no history with taxi. This is the first time I've ever seen any of it. All right. So I have a little bit of history with taxi because I was a huge fan of Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Um, Andy Kaufman was not in this episode. No, which caught me off guard. This is end of season four. He had already started to like, be like, I fucking can't do this anymore. And I'm out. Yeah. Um, Maybe he shows up in 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 other episodes at in season, uh, but if memory serves me correctly, he did not stay with Taxi through the whole run. But another comedic genius, or a couple of comedic geniuses. That's the thing about Taxi. Yeah, it's a great like everyone in it is like legendary. You got Danny DeVito. Yep. You got only got bigger at like post two thousand five with Sonny. Well, I mean, he he took a little time to to do some directing work, which I thought his directing work was amazing. I mean, Matilda, Matilda, Death of Smoochie. That's a I great that like twice. That's a great a dark comedy. You got Judd Hirsch. You got Jeff Conway. The uh, he was a, a, a he 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 voiced Batman quite a bit. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Like the animated series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got Tony Danza. You got uh, yeah, Titan uh, of comedy, Carol Kane, <laughs> the Queen, Carol Kane. You know, I mean, it's you know, and then of course, you know, Rhea Perlman was in that as well. She, her, and you know, that's remembers all the scripts. <laughs> you know, Taxi, Taxi was just a great. It, it was a lot like Cheers, right? Like a lot of people, uh, either started out or they really elevated their career through Taxi. Most of these shows. That we're talking about. You and I weren't born yet. No. But I lived vicariously through them, through my mom, mostly. Um, you know, my mom was a huge fan of not only Bosom Buddies, but but she was a big fan of Taxi. She was a big fan of MASH. I mean, 
a lot of the times when I talk to her now, she's she's found this one network that only plays. It's not Nick at Night. It's, TV Land. It's not TV Land. It's another like obscure network that she always asks me like, "Do you get this network?" And I'm like, "Mom, I don't watch network TV." <laughs> yeah, I was I, I, it, no like it's a crazy obscure network. I don't. I I honestly can never remember what it is. It's probably like. 10,000 in Comcast or something like that. It's TV Land Classic or some shit. <laughs> that would make more Every time I hear it I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like what? It's 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 not anything that that makes sense like a TV Land or a Nick at Night or anything like that. It doesn't make any sense. It's probably like Surge Network or something like that. It's yeah. something super out of the nowhere. Sponsored by the Coca-Cola company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, a lot of these shows I watched with my mom because I was a very sickly child and I always wanted to call out sick and my mom uh, would just stay home and she would watch these shows during the daytime. (laughs) (laughs) That's my experience with Taxi. And then when I got really into stand-up comedy, uh, before you and I hooked up uh, together, I mean, um, intellectually, not sexually, um, uh, I was really into Andy Kaufman and... Um, I knew him from wrestling first, of course, because... Oh, of course you did, yeah. But, yeah, Taxi was... Uh, Taxi was great. I love Taxi. Anyway, I, I, that's my whole long, drawn-out... You can probably cut half that out, Randy. Yeah, it's... My first time watching it, I loved the... Uh, I wouldn't say love, but I did like the almost, like, Steely Dan theme song. Oh, yeah. It's like the jazzy, like, old Rhodes piano and stuff. I was like, oh, this is pretty yeah. cool. So let's set up the episode. So the great Christopher Lloyd, a.k.a. Doc Brown, plays the burnout of the crew. Yes, and he has uh, proto-Doc Brown hair in this. He does. Um, And this whole episode is kind of like a flashback uh, to when... called The Path Not Taken Part 1 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And And it's a flashback to... Uh, Christopher Lloyd's character when he went to Harvard. Yep. And he was a very straight-laced, kind of your stereotypical Harvard uh, academic, academic. Basically. That's a, that's the better word. Yeah, the academic. He was wearing the, the sweater with the, you know, the collar popping out, and he had... Yeah, and his haircut hair and, and that was, like, trendy now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, and he just wanted to study and his girlfriend was like, basically like trolling for Dick. And he was like, no, no. He says he was forced into premarital sex by her. Right. And then, uh, he'll, he's getting peer pressured into, uh, trying marijuana. So. Dun, dun, dun. Oh yeah, I know. It's such a gateway drug, but. He's being pressured into that, and where Hanks comes in is he's just this character. I, I don't. I think he's Tommy. I, I don't even remember if they name him in it. He's 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 his roommate. Yeah, yeah, or her roommate or someone. But he's there. Yeah, I I love also um, <laughs> the funny thing that I remember about Taxi is uh, his name was Gordon, by the way. Um, way off. Yeah, I got one letter right. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny that. The thing that I remember about Taxi, and I think they actually play this out in uh, Man on the Moon, they were very much into, like, portraying marijuana as, like, this kind of gateway drug and, like, you should not smoke marijuana. 
And it's like, come on, bitch, you're in New York City. Like, right. smoke a little hash, smoke a little reefer. Um, and when I say bitch, I don't mean that in the female context. I mean, like, don't be a bitch, smoke some fucking reefer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Hanks becomes part of the peer pressure system. And because uh, he is the stereotypical. He's got grooming. a bitchin' hippie outfit on. Oh, big time. His hair is not quite what it is going to become. No, it's crazier in season two of Bosom Buddies than it is in this episode. Yeah, he, he's tamed it down a little bit, which makes us kind of wonder where he is in his uh, journey here, when this was filmed, what he, you know, in between the mazes of monsters and all the other shows we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I, have the, I cut the scene up real quick to all of the parts with Hanks and cut out a little bit of the dialogue we just talked about between the girlfriend and uh, Christopher Lloyd's character. Yeah, let's let's hear it. Let's hear it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Far out. Everything is just so beautiful. I'm just embarrassed that you're seeing me crying like a baby. Gordon. Gordon, you're not crying. Oh, what, what am I doing? You're smiling and happy. Grace! <laughs> I'm smiling. I'm happy. Hey, I like to party as much as the next guy. Yeah, if the next guy is a Quaker. <laughs> Congratulations, Gordon. That was almost a complete sentence. Really? Well, if you could excuse me, I have some studying to do in the library. Oh, Jim, Jim. <laughs> Don't you understand, huh? I mean, all the studying, all the books, and all the libraries, and all the gymnasiums. <laughs> I forgot my thoughts. <laughs> now, there were some good jokes in there. Yeah, his performance here is very funny. I mean, I cut out the part uh, where after... They have a little bit more of a conversation about Christopher Lloyd trying the weed. He goes, what am I going to end up like? They open the door and he falls through it, which right. is very funny. That's And that goes back to what we talked about in uh, the Bosom Buddies episode. The physical humor that he is just delivering. Yes. When he's doing comedy, he's not just, you know, cracking one-liners. He is putting his body on the line. And for me personally... That's what I love. You love the slapstick folly down stuff. I love the flat. I mean, you know, Chris Farley, Chevy Chase. I love that shit. I don't think there's enough of that, to be honest with you. In no, this you age. have been on this soapbox for the 15 years I've known you. Yeah, exactly. I think when we first started hanging out and like writing jokes or whatever, you were like, oh, you could do the fall down stuff very well. <laughs> right. Look. All right. Side note. Here we go. We need to get a little... Uh, Maybe like a little music for for when I go on a tangent because I'm going on a tangent right now. All right. Edit it out or don't edit it out. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to talk to you right now. I'm not talking to the audience. I'm talking to you. <laughs> and the audience. And the audience. <laughs> Look, writing a good joke is hard, but delivering a good joke is even harder. And when someone can do both really well you are a legend yeah and look i know i've i've seen all the documentaries i've read everything i know that chris farley was not the greatest writer ever he had a lot of people backing him up but that dude what he delivered in his performance it's a commitment 
it's it's the type of commitment that is very rarely seen. Molly Shannon, she was one of those. She is one of those gems that could write and deliver with that commitment of physical comedy. Uh, you know, Will Ferrell used his body in great. He still does use his body in great ways. Um, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but. Hanks, he has a lot of physicality at this point. And he has so much. And when you see him just kind of fall through the door, stone, I mean. And it, I, you can't see a crash pad. I'm pretty sure he just takes that one. He just face. takes it, man. <laughs> he takes it like he did in Bosom Buddies. And I'm going to end the rant with any aspiring comedians out there. Put your body on the line. It's just a broken arm. It's just a broken rib. You'll get over it. <laughs> You'll get through it. Commit to the physical comedy. It's we we're we're lacking it. It's we're an, lacking physical comedy in this day and age. It's the instrument people aren't using. People people are getting too loud. Like Kevin Hart. Like I'm just gonna yell it loud. Well, to be fair, Tom Hanks' trick that I'm noticing at this point in his career is to be louder than everyone else on set. Yeah. Just 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 fucking commit to the joke. Yeah. And put your body on the line. So, I mean, that's the small sample size. We End get. of rant. <laughs> that's the small sample size you get of him in this episode, which is good. Uh, I mean, the rest of it, because I've never, it's the only thing I've seen, and it's part one of two that Hanks isn't in. But he's really good in his scene, and that's basically all there is about that one. He's, it's, it's a he very... plays stoned really well, as someone who at various points in his life has been very high. Let's come back to that. He's mostly propping up the long-standing character that is uh, Christopher Lloyd's stoner character, almost how, like being like Ghost of Future Christmas to him. It's yeah, like how did how did Christopher Lloyd get to where he is right now in this series? And the thing they do that kind of sucks is his fears were confirmed in the writing, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So Christopher Lloyd, you know, he takes the pot. And he, <laughs> he goes back for seconds, 30 seconds later. Yeah. That's not how edibles work. Uh, no. That, if, if anyone out there has taken edibles, you know, you take your time. Yeah. It's, he literally bites into it, thinks about it for a minute and a half. And he's like, oh, I'll have another because I like how I feel. Hell no, dude. You're not going to feel that till the end of the next episode. Rookie mistake. Oh. <laughs> um, And that's it, really. He's the reason why Christopher Lloyd is the character that's a stoner in Taxi. And this is, what, season four? Yeah, it's the end of season four, episode 21. So now we know. So when you're watching Taxi, and you're like, wow, Christopher Lloyd, how did he get to that level of just insanity? Thanks, Tom Hanks. Yeah, he made it look so much fun. <laughs> yeah. So we go from that to um, his popping in on Happy Days in season 10. So the episode starts, we got Fonzie. Yes. We got Fonzie, who's about to win, uh, or he's about to be uh, given uh, um, a special award for the town because he saved some, I, I guess we should have watched the episode before. Who I don't know who he saved or who, yeah, what he it, did. I think they said it was a civic medal. It was a civic, It was yeah, it was a civic medal by the like Chamber of Commerce or whatever. Something like, yeah. Um, and he's wearing a suit. He's not wearing his classic... Um, uh, leather jacket. Oh, you know what? That's what I meant. You asked me uh, for a clip, and I had it in my head. I didn't write it down. <laughs> I thought it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. 
Um, I thought it would have been really funny. Uh, so he 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 accepts this award. He's like, "Hey, I'm tickled pink." And da 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 da. Um, I thought it would have re- uh, been really funny because uh, he just won an Emmy. Oh, really? He won an Emmy for Barry. Oh, right, right. And that was like the first major award that Henry Winkler has ever won. Uh, just so you know, uh, any young people out there, uh, Fonzie was played by an actor named Henry Winkler, and he is a national treasure. And you might know him as a principal from Scream? Maybe, or if you don't, you might know him. If you're still too young for that, you might know him as Adam Sandler's dad and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, um, and uh, he's the coach in Waterboy. He's the coach in Waterboy, and if you don't know him from that, he's the uh, lawyer in Arrested Development. And if you don't know that, then don't listen to this fucking podcast. <laughs> Go listen to fucking something else. I don't know. What to do. Cereal. Go listen to uh, even that. I don't know. Go listen no, to just literally pour yourself a bowl of cereal and listen to it. Yeah. Like, Go listen to Jojo Siwa or whatever. I don't know what, you know, I hear she's a thing. Anyway, Henry Winkler is a national treasure uh, and he finally won uh, an Emmy. And uh, I meant to say, pull that clip because. That Through the up. magic of editing. Henry Winkler. And uh, I couldn't have done this without myself. Um, yeah, so he wins this award for saving someone's life. And then all of a sudden, in walks this guy who looks a lot like Tom Hanks. <laughs> no context whatsoever. Yep. But apparently... Uh, the Fonzie used to beat up on him. He was a bully, which we all knew because if you've ever watched Happy Days, the Fonzie never backs down from a fight. No, whether he instigates it or not. But now, since maybe uh he's sold out a bit, I mean, we are in the early '80s. Fonzie is now a yuppie, apparently. Right, and where the fuck is Ron Howard in this episode? He has to have left by then. I didn't even realize that he left. I mean, they're 10 seasons in. I, I, what we should have looked up? I didn't realize. Yeah, we need to look this up. Is this pre or post shark jumping? Oh, good, good question. We need to look that up. So I didn't, I guess my, 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 my whole thing was I didn't realize that Happy Days basically became the Fonzie show. Yes. But there was a spinoff strictly for Fonzie. Did you know? Did you know that Happy Days has the most spinoffs of any other sitcom. I think you've told me this before. Technically, Happy Days is a spinoff. Of, um, I know Joni Loves Chachi is from Happy Days. Joni Loves Chachi. Um, and... Uh, that 70s show, technically? <clears throat> no. <laughs> no, hold on. We're just going to pause this real quick. Um, I meant to pull the text 
While I look it up, play the clip. You say that. What do I say? While you, while I look it up, play the clip. While I look this up, play the clip. Gotcha. Allowing you to set an example. No, hold it. No way. Uh-uh. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Gentlemen, this man you are honoring is a barbarian, a ruffian, an imposter, and, uh, and a barbarian ruffian. And a punk, yeah. <laughs> You can't beat up someone two minutes after you've just received a good citizenship award. Yeah, what's the rule on that? How long do I have to wait? You, uh, you don't remember me, do you? No. Dwayne Twitchell? No. Third grade? No. Gentlemen, let me tell you a little something about your honoree. This man made me the pathetic object of pity and ruined my self-image for life. He pushed me off a swing and hurt me really, really bad. I mean, it's not quite uh, the Joker origin story, but... I mean, I will admit... um, I, uh... When I watched that, and... I I think on, on past podcasts, I've talked about how, like, I, you know, my, uh guilt and shame from my past and stuff. And, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily like a bully where I was like punching kids and things like that, but I wasn't necessarily a nice kid to a lot of people. And one of my biggest fears. Oh, is that you finally win an award? (laughs) I get confronted by someone who I like, I was kind of a dick to. Yeah. I mean, but then again, I did kind of have that with our mutual friend, Johnny. Yes. And, you know, he kind of confronted me. He was like, dude, like, why don't you like me? And I was like, oh, you know, because I was a dick to him. I was. Look, I had no good reason except for like. Being 22. That wasn't even a good enough reason. I was just a dick. I, I have a long-standing theory that you're not a real person until you're almost 28. Damn, I'm actually glad that he called me out on my bullshit and called me out and made me confront that that part of me that was like, "You're just a, you're just being a dick, Zeke." Not 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 Johnny, um, but yeah. like <laughs> this episode is very. It's very slapstick and it's very. There's a lot of like haya and kara, but. I think there is a relevancy to this day because I think there's a lot of people that are reckoning with this used to be a whole episodes of Jenny Jones. Like someone did this to me and now I'm like a professional boxer or someone called me fat and now I'm like in Playboy. Mm -hmm. Like the whole revenge thing, a little bit of revenge is the name of the episode. That was like a a big talk show thing. Yeah. Um, I love you, Johnny. Um, So this is this is something crazy about uh, Happy Days. Do you remember a movie called American Graffiti? Yeah, George Lucas. Yeah, it was like one of his first movies. 
Um, Happy Days was basically kind of like a spinoff of that. Was that Ron Howard? He was in it, yeah. Um, and then ABC made an anthology show called Love American Style, which was based on the pilot, director George Lucas, Cass Howard as the lead in 1973 film American Graffiti. Huh. So, Happy Days went on. Now, Happy Days, you got to also remember that uh, Happy Days was created by the brilliant, the beautiful uh, Gary, Gary Marshall. Marshall. Gary Marshall. Rest in peace. Excuse me. Just take off. The related shows, the spinoffs. We got Laverne and Shirley. Oh. Shamil Smoggle, Hop and Pepper Incorporated. <laughs> More Wayne's World. I just I just mumbled about her. Blansky's Beauties. No idea what that is. Mm-mm. One that we both know. One that I watched a lot that I could probably do a whole podcast on. Mork and Mindy. Yep. No, 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 no. Out of the Blue. Mm-hmm. Not familiar. No idea. Know about that one. And Jody Loves Judge. Nah. And I I think that whole, that might hold a record for the most spinoffs. Oh, it's got to be up there. It's more than Friends. They got one. And I know MASH had a couple, I think. Yeah. I think they had two. And then Good Times. Florida. Because wasn't Good, wasn't, wasn't Good Times a spinoff of the, wasn't Jefferson's a spinoff of the Good Times? Am I making that up? I might be wrong on that. It doesn't matter. Anyway, Tom Hanks lays down the down the 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 the, the challenge. Yep. Um, he wants uh, Fonzie to meet him at the um, same swing set he got pushed off. Of. Right. And again, Fonzie. I don't know if we really dove in because we took a couple of uh, well, a couple of many side turns. But Fonzie's about to receive this award, and he's interrupted by. Um, Tom Hanks' character. Dwayne uh, yeah. Twitchelman. Twitchelman, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, no, he's not a good man. He's a guy who pushed me off the swing, and I've had 17 years to contemplate this. Uh, uh, possible incel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, um, he's most likely, if he was uh, to be alive today, a member of Q. Um, but... Uh, Needless to say, Fonzie doesn't show up because he gets uh, his he gets some earplay from his wife, I guess. Is, yeah, I don't know where they are in the story, but yeah, his yeah, his wife does some work on his ear with her mouth and uh, erogenous zone. Yeah, uh, on the couch and I'm not even and, sure I said that word right, but yeah, his his the little girl who I assume is Fonzie's daughter keeps saying some. Uh, modern day or the time relevant uh, at version, the time modern at the time modern version of sticks and stones um and so he doesn't go so they run into each other again and hanks has some more um words for him and regrettable noises this is post ear fondling yes did you forget where the park was last night i was busy Getting ear fondled. Right here, right now. It's gonna get a hernia. You know, it's not that I don't want to play tether ball with your head, but I made a promise I'm not about to break. Okay. 
mother swims after troop ships. Burn. That's the 17 year version of having the argument again in the shower. <laughs> what I should have said was possible incel. I don't even think possible. Yeah, definite, definite incel. And then it continues. I'm saying, gentlemen, but I do know a sexy lady when I see one. You should ever want to go out with a real man. Here's my hotel room key. Use it. Which, hold on. That guy, I remember watching this and I was like, hey, it's that guy. Uh, Jefferson. Is it Jefferson from Married with Children? Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. Or uh, he's also Mr. Screen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hold on. Let's get his name. Let's get his name. Let's get his name. That was a real uh, return to his character from uh, Love Boat. If you want a real man. But except for he's he was the guy who was bullied now. Well, yeah, I mean, that that is kind of interesting that, like, he was... He's been on both sides of that uh, situation now. You know, we, we always, we, we're always looking for, uh, you know, when is Tom Hanks a villain, if you will, or a heel. And, yeah, that's where I knew him from. He was the main jock in Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. The one who the nerd basically rapes and, and uh, <laughs> puts a mask on yeah, and yeah, yeah. eats her out without her, you know, her thinking. Yeah. And he does have a very white name. Ted McGill. Mc- McGinley. McGinley. Yeah. That's where I knew him from. The rape scene from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> right. beloved scene in cinema history. Right. Right. Just to cruise through this turd, this is the next little thing they have, because they still don't fight. Are you ready to face oblivion? I'm ready for you and him. Sexy. I had so many good times in that side of the table. So he's just straight up fucking up a lot of the stuff inside. Is this inside the Arnold? It's inside of Arnold, yeah. Yeah. Making a lot of regrettable noises. But he's putting his body into it, man. Yeah. And I gotta give him credit for it. He's whole ass committing, but... It's almost... You almost kind of, like, wonder, like... Who's he trying to impress at this point? Uh, yeah. He's got to know he's coming off like an asshole. It's almost kind of like, 
would this ruin any other actor's career or did, was he ar- did he already know he was locked in and he could basically just do fuck all and it would be fine i would say like the level of or was the level of talent in the 1980s that bad i think at because the, what's shocking to me in watching a lot of these is I don't think sitcoms have advanced so far in humor to be past this, but he's committing hard in the way you should in a sitcom like that. Like almost like the Sheldon character is just very, this is what my character is. These are the rules of this character. Sure. They're not the rules of like a real life person, but I mean, even that's still pushing it for basically being a three ninjas, bad guy right there. But it all kind of ends with the uh, eventually I hate the Big Bang Theory. That's one of the worst. I don't like sitcoms really at all past when I was like, whenever the peak of TGIF was. Have I ever told you why I hate laugh tracks? I think I've heard this story from you in April. Well, April April wasn't there. Is it, isn't this when you guys went like the Paramount lot? No, 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 no. We did that on our uh, anniversary. Oh. There's a different story. Let's just talk about it. Fuck it. So, um... I have a I have a cousin that lives out in uh, in L.A. California um, way, California way, and uh, he's an old prospector. Her and I are super super close. Love her to death. Um, I'm actually heading out to her wedding here in a in a in a in a month or so. And um, my uncle um, was like, "Hey, let's go out to L.A. I have a shoot because my uncle worked for." Uh, uh, country music television at the time. Mm. And he was like, Hey, uh, I've got to shoot out there. I got to be out there for, you know, a couple of days. Um, let's go out and let's go see, um, your cousin. And I was like, sweet. Sounds good. Um, so we went out and the shoot was for, you remember the show Reba? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. This was like a quasi spinoff of Reba. It was on the lot. We were we were in a, I want to say it was the Warner Brothers lot. We got on and we were talking. And oddly enough, the guy that my uncle was uh, doing the show for, the host was, um, remember Together from MT, <laughs> the the, yeah, the yeah, fake yeah, boy uh, band. Get together, yeah. you and me forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know my calculus. I know my calculus. Yeah. Yeah. It says you plus me. Yeah. Equals us. The hardest part of breaking up is getting back your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the, you know, the main, the main guy there, I forget his name, but he was the host of that show. That was where he basically went after together was done. Um, and it was cool. Cause even I got to talk to him and we talked about together and he, it was that anyway. And, and also the other person that was on the set. So I got to, I got to meet Reba, which was cool. Cause she was, and also um, Snyder there, who was uh, like Bo Duke from Duke, the original Dukes of Hazzard. Okay. John Snyder. He was there, too. So I was like, this is cool. I'm meeting like, like the dude from Dukes of Hazzard and Reba and the guy from Together. Anyway, that was all cool. And then shooting started. And this is the point of my story, Randy. Mm-hmm. Shooting started. So, you know, my cousin and I and, and my uncle were, were sitting in the chair, you know, the, the, the chairs, the kind of fold away chairs. Like the it. Fenway ones. No, 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 no. You know, like when you're on a studio and like the, the director's chair. Oh, right, thing. right, yeah. right, right. We're sitting in those and da, 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 And I look over and there's a couple of people who all like have like, uh, you know, rolled up paper 
you know, in their hand and, da, 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 and they're just kind of sitting pensively and they're watching the, uh, um, the scene play out. And, um, you know, so silence on the set, silence. And, uh, you know, the, the, the cast, you know, they, they go through their lines and everything like that. And, um, they do, um, I guess what was called a joke. And, um, all you see is as I look over, I look over at these, these other people who are sitting pensively, just go, ha, ha, ha. And then just continue to look pens- pensively at the, at the, at the, at the seat. And then a few, few lines go by. Ha, ha, ha. And then they just look pensively at the, at the scene. A few lines go by. And I look at my uncle, I'm like, the fuck is going on here? Like, what is happening? And my uncle goes, they do that because that's where the laugh track goes in. Oh, there wasn't a studio audience. No. There never is really anymore. So these guys who were, these were the writers. They knew when the the laugh. soup. Right. They knew when the laugh was supposed to go in. So they would just sit there and wait and just go. Ha ha ha. And that was the editor's cue to put in the laugh track. And I walked away from that like so dirty, so gross. You know how much I love comedy and the art of perfecting jokes. And I just felt I it was just gross. And so from that point on, like, don't get me wrong. Do I still watch Seinfeld? Fuck yeah, I love Seinfeld. And I love Cheers and I love you know, but from that point on, anything else produced now that has a laugh track, I just, it's, it just feels like I just put hot sauce on my balls. Yeah, it's plus, just gross. Plus the, uh, the timing of sitcoms just feels so formulaic. Yeah. There's like no flow to anything. There's no way to get caught off guard because it's just like rhythm. It's like ha-cha, ha-cha, ha Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I like sitcoms, but the laugh track sitcoms, I'm just, I just can't fucking do it. Yeah, it's I, I lose you a little bit there because I just, I haven't been a sitcom dude since I was like twelve. Well, I mean, you like Always Sunny. That's a sitcom. Yeah, but it's a modern one. Yeah, like I like New Girl. I love New Girl. That was that's kind of like the most, you know, one of the formulaic things. And we're all just gonna take a break right now because I think we both have to pee a lot. And- Get another beer. So here I am. It's just me now. Just me and the microphone. What to say? Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Stern Rules. I don't know. Oh, shit. It's just me now. I'm going to be honest with everybody. If I'm watching porn, and there's a dude with a lot of really well-placed tattoos. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'll focus a little bit more on him at times than the girl. Not ashamed to say it. It just is, is who I am. I am who I is. No big deal. It's 21st century. There's no lines anymore. There's a dude who's got some well-placed tattoos and a six-pack, and, you know, he's doing... Hi, Randy! (laughs) 
Okay, so to finish out this episode. Yes, please. They have another confrontation. Oh, yeah, sure. You just gonna stand, let me take a shot. <laughs> My mama didn't raise no stoop nagel. <laughs> Whatever you say, I gave you my word. Oh, my Fonz, Fonz, that's not the plan. When you see Shane, then we'll talk. And just to clarify, that's not anime porn. That's no. <laughs> Tom Hanks doing something. So basically, Fonzie gives him a shot, and he goes ahead and takes it, and we'll see where that goes in a second. But Stoopnagel. I was about to ask, what is a Stoopnagel? I immediately heard it and went, oh, no. For the love of God, please don't be a racial... Say this word quickly because you're not sure how it's spelled. Epithet. Yeah. Epithet. Yeah, because he's already done bite the wall. Yeah. <laughs> but I looked it up. Yeah. I think it's in reference to popular 1930s radio comedy team Stoop Nagel and Bud. Huh. And apparently Stoop Nagel played like the uh, dumbest guy of the pair. Oh. So we're hoping that's what he was talking about. But that goes on. Beats up Fonzie. Fonzie comes out after he's like, I did it. I stood up to him. Fonzie comes out, trademark look, and I do? Yeah, you nearly got killed, but you got guts. You mean for all these years you haven't thought that I was a coward? This may come as a shock to you, but for all these years I haven't given you a thought. <laughs> Boy, my mama did raise a stupid nigga. <laughs> We'll just hope. You know, we were eight years old. Kids do stupid things, you know? You can't live by revenge alone. But he gets his respect, which is ultimately, if you're into that sort of uh, revenge fantasy, is what you would want. I got nothing on this. All right, so fingers crossed that that was a Stoop Nagel and Bud reference. But anyway, you know, gets his pseudo-revenge or respect, and they move on. Blah, blah, blah. End of that. Uh, Probably my least favorite episode of the ones we had to watch. But now we get into the main event of his three-episode arc on Family Ties. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Family Ties at all? Because this was a little bit later in the... in in. I had never seen anything other than I knew it was, uh, like, the big Michael J. Fox launching vehicle. I knew it was, like, um, a conservative Reaganomics-led sort of thing of, like, yuppie culture sort of deal. But it wasn't, it wasn't, because their dad was very much like a like a beatnik. Right, but then they sell out and become like very famous, or not not famous. They become very rich. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to. We're, you and I never really watched this show a lot, uh, so watching it now, though, in like current climate, you're like. Uh. So here's the thing. This show was probably like. Uh, inspiration for a lot of what, like we grew up on TGIF mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, it is the least funny of the shows we watch. It's it's hard to find laughs in this because you know I think and like that's why I say like even though TGIF like was very funny, you had your Urkels and you had all you know all that stuff. They really tried to pull in the heartstrings with uh, Family Ties. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, but it's very uneven. Uh, so to get into the arc, he's Uncle Ned, 
He is Uncle Ned, which is the uh, brother of the mother. Yes. And he is one of the youngest executives and doing very well in his mid to late 20s. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like a wunderkind. Yeah. He he rises to the top of the economics world. Idolized by Michael J. Fox. Right, because Michael J. Fox in this show, he's he's kind of like the... uh, his whole character in the show is like he's like the straight laced, uh, business obsessed. Yeah, yeah. He's got his future planned out at like fifteen. We'll just go right into where Hanks pops in. Well, he actually, I didn't pull a clip where he pops in, in the first episode. So this is part one of the Fugitive, in season one, where he comes in, and the clip I pulled first for this episode is after he comes in, and the mother of Tom Hanks and the mom of the family calls. And when she goes to say, you'll never guess who's here, Tom Hanks waves her off and says, no, 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 don't let anyone know I'm here. And here we go. You read the meter. Well, he prefers reading at night. He sleeps better if he reads first. Can I call you back later, Mom? Good. Okay, thanks. Bye. Why did you do that? No reason. (laughs) Look, Elise, I'm on vacation. I just want to relax. If it's all the same, I'd like to take a couple of days, get settled before I talk to Mom and Dad. But parents can be tough to deal with sometimes. Hey, I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ned, it's it's great that you could get this time off, considering that you took a vacation a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, um, this isn't uh, a vacation per se. It's more of a a leave of absence. I was feeling a a little burned out uh, when I needed some time off, you know? So he's very evasive. I would say for our um, younger millennial... Uh, Gen Z listeners. Yes, they're out there. And Pepsi is the choice because you're the new generation. <sighs> Imagine, uh, you know, it's it's very similar to uh, The Office mm-hmm. when BJ Novak's character, when, uh, you know, he rises to the top and then they find out that he's a fraud and, you know, he never actually went to, you know, Brazil or whatever it is and he has blonde hair now. And that whole story arc, it's very similar to like that. Yeah, at the start. You know, you know, you have this guy who's a young Wunderkind. He knows how to, you know, make money in the beginning, but he doesn't know how to live life. So he ends up fucking everything up. Well, he's evasive as to what's going on. And you, they play it out a little bit over time. They take their time with this. This is a lot more, um, I would say, in the dramedy sort of era. Or not era, but genre of a sitcom so that's the arc there's very few jokes in this um and even that aren't delivered by hanks and even when he is delivering jokes it's very much like ooh. <laughs> yeah it, the first this first two episode arc is not as bad but michael j fox is obsessed with knowing like oh what are the ins and outs of where you're at now where i dream to be he is tom hanks is michael j fox's character's uh idol yes Obsessed with everything he's done. What is really the most exciting part of it all? I have two secretaries. (laughs) You've just destroyed all his fantasies. Hopefully I've created new ones. Oh, and apparently he's fucking two of his secretaries. Alex P. Keaton. Which I believe the Beastie Boys reference in a, in one of their songs. We'll have to look that up. But uh... so they're still kind of playing out. He's very evasive about what he's doing career wise right now. Doesn't want anyone to know he's there. So you kind of know something's afoot. 
and we start to get deeper into the episode with this little section I pulled. Alex, there's a lot of information about this that has yet to surface. And when it does, you may not be that thrilled with me. What do you mean? Alex, I'm about to tell you something that I couldn't tell your parents. Dad walks in. No, I'm not. <laughs> hey, Mom and Dad, a car just pulled up in the driveway. Yeah, it's got U.S. government license plates. Are you sure? Positive. Oh, son of a gun. Mallory, you're right. Government plates. Yeah, do you know anything about this? Me? No, nothing. Never seen the guy before. But whoever he is, he's about to ring your front doorbell. Well, I gotta go get some ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> So that's Hanks is done for part one of the fugitive arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, he had said he had gotten an argument with the uh, president of the company and poured some coffee on him. That's all anyone knows. But now there's the FBI looking for him. So obviously there's something bigger going on. Uh, I didn't pull any of the part with the rest of the family talking about it, but turns out he's wanted for stealing money. Right. And uh, the FBI agent comes in. And I pulled this clip particularly because when we watched this together, we loved the character of Carlisle. Oh, Carlisle. Yes. Is uh, this the Keaton residence? Yes. Great. <laughs> that would make you a uh, Stephen Keaton, right? Uh, right. Whoa. Two out of two. <laughs> uh, what can I do for you? May, may, I, may I commend you? Yeah, my, my name's uh, Bert Carlisle. I'm with your local office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Your What's local going office? On? Don't tell me, don't tell me. You, 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 you must be Elise, right? That's right. <laughs> I'm pretty good at this, aren't I? <laughs> and uh, you must be Alex and uh, Mallory. Uh, who's the little girl? Friend of the family? <laughs> She's our daughter, Jennifer. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm quite certain. Okay. <laughs> All right, so of the three episodes that he's in, that was the funniest part of the whole thing. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, if only... There's more Carlisle scenes, but that's the intro, and he hits everything they write for him perfect. If only... I mean, if there was uh, uh, an FBI full of Carlisles, I would I would be a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a little trivia for you, though. Um, just a little side note. Um, so, Mallory, do you know her who her brother is in real life? Is that Teeny Yothers? That's not Teeny Yothers. That's Jennifer. Jennifer's Teeny Yothers. No Just, idea. Justine Bateman is, uh, is, is, is Mallory. Oh, the sister. Okay, the older sister, yeah. And who is her brother? Uh, Ozark Bateman. Jason Bateman. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> they were both, they were both uh, teen, teen uh, actors. Yeah, I've never seen anything he did on TV at that age. Uh, well, he was in Silver Spoons. I honestly, the first time I, and saw, he was in Teen Wolf too. I know, I know that now. The first thing I remember him being in and being like, "Oh, I know who that is now," is Dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> that was your first introdu- introduction to to fucking Jason Bateman. Yeah, that really? was on like his big comeback, whatever. I never liked the rest of the development. Oh, what? Yeah, I didn't like it. Let this pause be a, an example of my what? Yeah, I didn't like it. You're a dick. <laughs> How did you know? 
what what did you not like about Arrested Development? Uh, I haven't watched any of it in probably since it was in like season two before it got canceled and brought back and stuff. But I watched like four or five episodes. And I was like, okay. I can't even look at you. I almost want to walk away from this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, it just didn't work for me. It's no All Dave. All right. All right. Well. Oh, Dave. Yeah. Modern. Modern. So part two of The Fugitive. What else are you going to say? The Godfather sucked? I've never seen any of The Godfather. <sighs> I've seen every Hitchcock movie, but I've never seen The Godfather. I... North by Northwest is my favorite movie. I know, and North by Northwest is a brilliant movie, and I agree with you that it's amazing, and it stands up to the test of time, but what the fuck? <laughs> You're just going to have to give me a hot second. And you know what? I want the fans to hear this. I want all six of them to like feel my frustration with you right now. What are we, two characters with different ideologies? Uh... Oh, while I rip off that line from Oh Hello, you know what I realized happens a lot in Family Ties in the, these three episodes? What's that? A lot of one-sided phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> By my recent revelation, Charmed, I'm sure. But here's the introduction to Hanks as he comes back at the start of part two of The Fugitive, not starring Harrison Ford. So what did you say to the FBI guy? We told him we hadn't seen you. We didn't know where you were. Duck! Well, I appreciate that you gave me the benefit of the doubt. But we only lied because we knew you wouldn't do something like that. Thanks. Did you steal the money, Ned? Yes. <laughs> Are you crazy? Have, have you absolutely gone out of your mind? You have to understand, I, I didn't steal that money for myself. I stole it for those 1,800 people who were going to lose their jobs. What were you going to do? Send them each 100,000 bucks for Christmas? <laughs> I felt as though I had to do something to try to stop this merger. So before I left, I, uh, I took the Hemsdale portfolio, all the corporate records and four and a half million dollars in assets, and I hid it. It's amazing uh, that in uh, 1984, four and a half million dollars is, uh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it's a decent amount now, but it's, uh, you know, as more of the 1% runs away with it, thanks to Family Ties promoting money was the only thing that mattered. Yeah. We get to the money scene where we both, as we watched this together for the first time, went, that's good. The analogy of why he did what he did with the cereal bowl. This is good. This is good. Hey. Oh, hi. I stopped by your room to talk. You weren't there. I was here. So I see. <laughs> you were pretty quiet earlier. How could you do it, Uncle Ned? There was no other way to save those jobs. There had to be another way. Maybe, maybe you could have done something to create new jobs for those people. Like what? I don't know. Maybe you could have hired them to help out around your apartment, clean up, stuff like that. 1,800 people? They could take shifts 600 at a time. Alex, I think you're missing the point here. I don't understand, Uncle Ned. I thought you loved the business world. It's exciting, right? Isn't it exciting? I just didn't have the stomach for it. I began to realize there is something very wrong built into the whole corporate structure. Bite your tongue. <laughs> the survival of a corporation hinges on one thing, its ability to increase profits. You know that. 
If little trivial things like ethics and concern for the public good get in the way, they get pushed aside. Uncle Ned, I agree that the Hemsdale merger was a pretty sleazy deal. But you've got to weigh the good with the bad on the scales of injustice. Let's say this bowl is the 1,800 workers, and uh, this banana represents Sintram's corporate health. So they're equally important. But, Alex, those people are going to be collecting unemployment, which was a drain of the Federal Reserve. In addition, there's the lost revenue to all Add the smaller yogurt. businesses that dealt with it. <laughs> Finally, and most important of all, there's the human factor, Add the milk. intangibles. <laughs> Sintram's corporate health is an illusion that is easily stripped away. Feels the banana. You see, when you take all of these factors into consideration, the implementation of this merger is not congruent with the public good. I wrecked my cat. Eats the bowl of cereal he just made. Your thoughts? I just think it's a really good analogy in the way it's performed and everything and the fact that he starts off with them equal yep. as those people's lives are as valuable as the profit margins of a company. And then as Hanks pours the stuff and it gets lower and you can see Keaton getting nervous about it. And then he just takes the thing and he goes, so that's why I did what I did. Yeah. He's playing like the Robin Hood kind of character. And you get that. And it's, it's, uh, it plays in the face of Alex P. Keaton's character who, you know, all he wants to do is just be the, the next Zuckerberg, basically like, an antisocial douche. <laughs> An antisocial douche, yeah. I mean, you know, anybody who's that smart at, at his age and who's still just probably going to public school, you know, keep an eye out for it. <laughs> you know, just, just be, you know, be weary. Yeah, he'll start an internet company, which is like, am I hot or not or whatever, and eventually um, ruin all po politics. Yeah, exactly. So after that analogy, and now that he's sort of come clean on everything and given the justification, his sister tries to cover up for him and uses the analogy of someone stole his baseball glove when he was a kid. She went and confronted him. And then the husband says, well, oh, well, you can't protect him forever. He did a thing that you can't protect him from because we're going to go to jail for hiding a fugitive at this point. And then she eventually confronts Tom at the end with you need to grow up. Not a kid anymore. For God's sake, will you please grow up? Mom, Uncle Ned. Oh, hey, Gomez, como esta? <laughs> Listen, Carlisle's back, and there's another guy with him. That was after he tried to get him on a plane to fly him out of there, and they run away from the airport because they run into Carlisle there, and they let him get away. So Carlisle comes back to the house looking for Hanks. I do love Carlisle. Hello, Rob. Just passing through? No, I came to have you arrested, Ned. That was my next guess. <laughs> All right, look, Ned, here's the deal. If you issue a formal apology and give us that computer access number, we may be willing to reduce some of the charges against you. Rob, I'm turning myself in, but uh, I don't plan to reveal that code. Now, don't be a fool. You know as well as I do that computer can be programmed to crack that code all by itself. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and you probably also know that it'll take about 8.7 years. But uh, I'm willing to wait if you are. I'll see you in the car, Ned. You know, you really blew it. You had such a big future at Centram. Why, in 15 years, you could have been running the whole place. 
How long you figure it'll take me now? By the way, I'm pretty sure they mispronounced the name of the company. I'm pretty sure Keaton called it Syntrax, and he just called it Sintram. Hmm. That's the end of uh, Fugitive Part 2, and then he's, he's gone till Season 2 when he comes back with a, a very special episode. All right, let's see this. So he comes back in Season 2 with the Uncle Ned episode where we'll find out what Uncle Ned is going through. Look who's here! Hey! hey. Oh. These were out on a curb, and it's a good thing I haven't bought because two guys in a truck were trying to make off with him. <laughs> Hey, you've grown a hair. Hey, how are you? Steven, hey, you've grown many yeah. hairs. <laughs> My favorite sister. Oh, how oh, are you? Oh, good. Well, here I am. Huh? Let's celebrate, huh? Alex, you got any beers? Yeah, yeah so. sure. Great. Great. <laughs> Beautiful. Here, put this back for me, would you? <laughs> so how was the train ride? So he's back. Pretty chipper for a guy who should be in jail. Well, you know, uh, a belly full of beer will do that to you. <laughs> yep. And it continues on as they kind of unravel where he's at in his life. Yeah. Who is going to hire me now? Well, if you're interested, uh, there's an opening down at the station for a program consultant. Uh, the interviews officially ended last week, but uh, I was able to pull a few strings and get you one. I uh, think you might be good at it. I'd be great at it. Does that mean you're interested? No, it means I find you irresistible. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. So he gets an interview basically doing similar things to what he did before. But since it's starting to come out that he's drinking a lot, he's panicking a little bit, getting nervous about, you know, another career like that. So he starts drinking more. A lot more. Oh, yeah. I've cut together a bunch of scenes about... It's supposed to be a serious special episode about alcoholism. Right. But I don't think they know what they're playing it for. So here's a couple of jokes throughout the episode about alcohol and the crowd's reaction. <laughs> going pretty heavy on that stuff, aren't you, Ned? Uh, Jennifer and Mallory aren't having any, so I'm just helping the family meet its quota. Uh. <laughs> it's calls for a celebration. Barkeep, a few more beers in here, please. I'm buying. Ah, I got to pull an all-nighter for an economics final tomorrow. Oh, well, then you're going to need a beer. Alex is in high school. study. Because if you've got the time, we've got the beer. <laughs> we haven't got the beer. Wow. Alex, what do you say we go make a beer run, huh? Uncle Ned, it's after two. Alex is in high school. You know how to make a beer run, don't you? <laughs> Just tickle him under his pop top. <laughs> oh, 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 here we go now. It may not be Miller time, but it is vanilla time. He's looking at you, kid. He's about to, he just drank a bottle of vanilla extract. Now remember, don't drive and bake. <laughs> I don't believe this. You just drank a whole bottle of vanilla extract. I'm sorry, did you want some? No. What'd you put in your orange shoes now? A uh, little vodka. Yeah, the, the interview's in just a couple of hours. You can take it easy. Oh, at least this is just a little vodka, so I won't have any orange juice on my breath. Laughs after all of those. As a guy who's, uh, you know, struggled with uh, alcoholism, I can, I can definitely... <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've all, you know, I've been there. Again, going back to my uh, earlier 
side story about <laughs> the laugh track and, and when to laugh and when not to laugh. It's so undercutting what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, and with all that going on, it cuts to a, a scene where Alex kind of calls him on his drinking, and we've heard him be high. Now we'll hear him be drunk. Now let's hear that. What's the matter? Don't you like your Uncle Ned anymore? I like him. I like him a lot. And yet you're too good to sit down and have a glass of maraschino cherries with him, huh? Is that it? High school. I've just never seen you drunk before. You think I'm drunk? You think I am drunk? Let me tell you something, buddy. I'm drunk. <laughs> Why shouldn't I be? I don't like to see you like this. <laughs> you, are, you are just like that mother of yours, aren't you? You always think you can tell me what to do. Uncle Ned. Let me tell you something. Ned Donnelly marches to his own drum. So don't think you can come in here and prop me up with some pious platitudes because you were wrong. Why don't you just get out of here, huh? Beat it. You're beginning to get on my nerves. Why don't you just come upstairs, sleep it off? No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm gonna go out. Uh... Maxie! Put yourself together. Will you get out of here, you punk? Just get out of here! All right, I'll get out of here. <laughs> so he's really waiting on the Emmy there. It's... It's bad writing, first first of all. Yeah. Because, once again, you know, Hank's, his commitment is amazing. But it's like, are you trying to, are he's, you doing, are you doing drama? Or are you doing comedy, man? Like, But he's also completely straight. Like, not, he's not slurring anything. He's got yeah. almost transatlantic accent. Yeah. It's crazy. And eventually, uh, they all confront him as a family at the end. Yeah, well, Alex, these are ancient history. They're garbage. All the clippings of success. Hey, Uncle Ed, don't do that. Hey, give me those. Leave me alone. Give me Leave me alone! What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Alex. he punches Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Can I do that? Now would you call AA? I guess I could look upon this as a way of meeting women that share a common interest with me. He's way too cavalier after hitting a minor. Yeah. <clears throat> Hi. Yes. Um... Would you be interested in subscribing to the Columbus Express? <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, my name is Ned Donnelly, and I have a drinking problem. Dramatic sitcom pause. That's how it ends. He never comes back to the show. What the hell happened to the show? <laughs> For context, he actually... Hits Alex B. Keaton. I hit Alex. Yeah. And he's now 0 for 2 in crying scenes. 
Right. So I was actually gonna, because we watched we watched this like a uh, you know we watched the Family Ties about a week ago and and then uh, <laughs> you know we had to go through Happy Days and everything like that to try to find it. So I forgot a little bit of uh, the context. So I was actually gonna ask you, Randy. You know what was uh, what was uh, drunk Hanks or uh, stoned Hanks? For authenticity? Stoned Hanks. Yeah. Stoned Hanks, because, yeah, I don't I don't like drunk Hanks. <laughs> yeah, he, like, it's not funny. But it's also not well acted. Yeah. It's 0 for 2 in crying scenes right now. And that was, oh, Alex. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was phoned in, and it was just like, oh, yeesh. I forgot. I actually, I had, I had forgotten that he hit fucking Alex, and it was just like, oh man, that that's not cool, man. You don't hit, hit fucking Michael J. Fox. Yeah, like the Fugitive one and two were good there, and we're talking about the the show, not uh the Fugitive and then uh U.S. Marshals. It's the one our man. But that actually had some laughs in it, and overall decent writing. But Family Ties overall, from just jumping in, is the worst of the three shows. Absolutely. I did a little research because I, you know, I was interested in kind of like where he's at in his career because, you know, he did Bosom Buddies and that obviously had a short-lived run. He didn't, you know, it didn't make it to syndication, basically. It, well, it made it to like, but not the hundred episode goal line. Or right. Yeah. Bosom Buddies, ABC, Happy Days, ABC. Taxi, ABC. Love Family, Boat CBS. Love Boat was CBS, and Family Ties was NBC. So, it kind of goes back to a golden boy for the networks right now. They're they're putting him out there. Yeah. Um, because he's about to explode. Essentially, he definitely comes in with a bit of energy in all the shows, using his volume trick. Right. You know, one of the things that's interesting is that uh, uh, he's in an episode of Happy Days uh, without Ron Howard. Mm -hmm. And the next thing he does right after this is a Ron Howard movie. Is that Volunteers or Splash? Splash. Uh, Never seen Splash. It's a great movie. Um, I'm actually, now that we're talking about that, I'm actually interested, like, Look at us just segueing right into foreshadowing the next episode. Oh, of course. Of course, my man. Of course. You know, we got to. We got to get the fans riveted. Our our audio quality is suspect. (laughs) Now that we're done the TV run, we've seen him be on, you know, cornerstone of the era sitcoms. Taxi, Happy Days, Lesser Level Family Ties, which he gets a bigger run on in Love Boat. Yeah, Love Boat. Is Bosom Buddies any worse than any of them? Fuck no. No. Honestly, Bosom Buddies rules compared to all that. <laughs> it, it has the most entertainment value per minute. <laughs> yeah. The cast is as good as anything else. I mean, probably as much of the cast from Bosom Buddies went on to work as much as the cast of Taxi. Nope. I have to disagree with that. I mean... Scolari still works. Hanks is like the only one of them with an Oscar. 
No, but Taxi, you've got, again, no, Taxi, Taxi, absolutely, as far as accolades and dollar. Oh, for the show itself, yeah. Well, but no, for actors who have the accolades and the actual gross income, Taxi by far more than Boys of Buddies. But Hanks might beat everyone by himself. Well, <laughs> possibly that that's that might be true. Everybody loves Happy Days. We can't shit on Happy Days. It's late season Happy Days, so a lot it's of the characters late aren't season there. Happy Days, exactly. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was just it was just silly. You could it it, it had all the probably sitcoms before it and sitcoms after it. When you get ten seasons in. Mm-hmm. It just had that smell of like we're grasping to keep this fucking thing going. Mm-hmm. As someone who the last sitcom I loved was that '70s show. It gets real rough when uh, Topher Grace isn't there. So Ron Howard is the Topher Grace of that show. Exactly. Let's say we're at either late '83 or '83, like '84. He's we've seen probably the most lesser known Tom Hanks stuff. He is nailing. Comedy. He's doing a really good job. And he gets like a C plus for drama. Yeah, he does a lot of the the monologuing really well. Like the bowl scene and uh some of the bosom buddy stuff, like the scene with Amy or the confronting uh Henry about the macho man stuff. He does a lot of the everyday conversation with some heaviness to it. I'm not sure at this point he's uh dramatically the world's strongest man as far as lifting when he has done it. Like it's definitely not crying. Well, yeah, I honestly went into, um, you know, when we were watching the, the, the family ties episodes together, um, we were like, Oh, this is definitely going to be better than mazes monsters. Yeah. We saw that. Like you can see from, you know, moment five of that episode that like, Oh, this is a dude who's gonna have some problems Mm -hmm. and I'm excited to watch that play out. It was still very lackluster. It it, it really, to use a sports analogy, I would say he's a, the college athlete where you see that they're capable of greatness. They're inconsistent, but they're up and down, but the base level of what they understand about what they're doing right now, you're like point this kid in the right direction with a little bit of coaching and, probably a lot better direction than he's got to any point in his career right now. He's going to be a big deal. Will we see? He, I mean, he hasn't had a leading role in a like national launch big screen movie yet. No, he's appeared in one for eight minutes, mm-hmm. but before we get to it, do you think splash will be the one more like, bam, that's leading man shit right there? Um, no. And I'll tell you why. Because Splash has some heavy hitters. Oh, I, I know. My favorite is in it. You got John Candy. You got Eugene Levy. Eugene! Yeah. Daryl Hannah, obviously. Honestly, I think Eugene Levy, we're going to see if how good we think he is comedically right now. If you're against a great of the great in on-screen comedians, we'll, we'll be able to measure up where he's at pretty quickly here. Yeah, before we do the, the Splash episode, we should figure out if Hanks ever did improv. 
Well, remember we uh, we talked about how he had a two man comedy group, but we couldn't find. Um, and that's probably why SNL like tapped him so many times. Yeah, that's later on, but like, it's not that far later on though. All right, so you and I, uh, we we got exposed to uh, three shows that we didn't know much of. I mean, I had seen some of, I had seen a good amount of Taxi. Like I said, I'd seen a good amount of uh, Happy Days happy and Family Guys. Happy Days, Jesus Christ. Take um, two. Take two. So I, I you know. Like I said, I, I watched a lot of these old sh- old, sh- old shows, <laughs> old shows with my mom. Uh, ha- she loved Happy Days and, and Taxi and stuff like that. So I had a little bit of context, but seeing Hanks in this, it it, it felt kind of he was like a jobber almost. Yeah, you know, if we're going back to you and I's love of wrestling, he was just kind of like a jobber. We saw a glimpse of what his dramatic work. Could have been if he didn't work at it, (laughs) but you could tell he definitely worked at it because I mean, the dude's a two time Oscar winner, so clearly he got better at it. Um, it's a lower floor than we thought it would start with, (laughs) right? I mean, you know, we were we we talked a lot of shit about bosom buddies, but honestly, I'll take bosom buddies over two. At the very least, family ties and uh, um, happy days. And happy days. So far, Bosom Buddies is the best thing we've watched, and I don't think it's that close. It's better than Love Boat. Yeah, it's better than He Knows You're Alone. Yep, it's better than uh, Bases and Monsters. That everything is going to be better than that. I can't so wait I'm to forget with that, that movie. Yeah, I'm sticking with that's the best, or that's the worst thing we will see, but. Bosom Buddies, I would say right now, is comfortably in the lead as the most entertaining and the best overall Tom Hanks performance we've seen so far. Absolutely. Now, will Splash top it? I will say no. Your prediction? Well, we're actually talking about him in the leading role in a movie, so... Leading role in Bosom Buddies, most scenes. I don't know. Is it going to top Joe versus the volcano? No, <laughs> no. I, I at this point, I'm nothing pretty sure. Will. You know, uh, yeah, at this point, you'd be like Philadelphia, not as good as Joe versus the volcano. Saving Private Ryan, not as good. Nothing will ever top Joe versus the volcano for me. So, if that's your one, I will say starting this now of the Tom Hanks I know, my favorite performance that I will be shocked if I think anything is better than it. Not Gump. I'll say Philadelphia. <laughs> That's your... Okay. All right. All right. Hey. Overall performance, All right. followed by Big. I mean, I love Forrest Gump, but it's a movie about nothing. I mean, that's going to be a four and a half hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I mean, I loved... No, I can't even say I loved Philadelphia. That movie was very hard to watch. He deserved everything he got for it. Yeah. But it's not that I put that in the category of like, I don't need to watch that movie over and over again. I've seen it like probably four times. I've, you know, I watched it originally. Um, I watched it as an adult when I was trying to understand AIDS a little bit more than I was. Cause I mean, that movie came out when I was like 
10. Um, and then I watched it with April because April loves AIDS. You know, the hardest part of uh, this endeavor we're on is we're going to have to talk about Philadelphia and being this in uh, auditory medium. We're going to have to talk about it without visual aids. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> but we're happy for pretty much the rest of the 80s. We're probably out of the TV and we, we get to see this fucking rocket ship as a man who loves space leave the launching pad. He does love space. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Splash is next. Splash is next. We're going to see his first collaboration with Ron Howard. That's going to be a beautiful relationship. Yeah. And um, Randy, this was a this was a tough couple of weeks because we had to we had to really really got bogged down and we the... got bogged down. We had to put up our boots and and really trudge through some shit, some big boy pants stuff. We had to get big. But you know what? I'm happy we did it together. Yeah. This was a, a a growing experience for both of us. We learned a lot about our political stances and our thoughts on being high and drunk. I'm really happy and I'm well, I should say I'm really grateful for all the work you did because I know that it was hard. Um so thank you. Yes. I hope that the full next... disclosure, we lost all the audio because of a power outage here and I had to scramble and pull all these clips three hours before they got here. Yeah. Uh it's been very windy and rainy up here in uh, good old Granite State. Uh, so I'm grateful to you and, uh, I hope that the next couple episodes are going to be a lot easier. So thanks, Randy. You're welcome, Zeke. Thank you. I don't know what I should be, you know, I don't know what you're thanking me for because I just kind of sat here and rambled on for a couple hours, but I will take it. I will take it. Um, and whoever listens to this, thank you. Thank you for it's indulging fun. us. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun. The last couple episodes have been really fun. Yeah. Even though it's been hard to watch all this shit. It's been fun to talk about it. I look forward to watching a full movie with you where we can just like make some popcorn and, uh, you know, just sit and watch and not have to be like, wow, how do we polish this turd? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be really happy when we're watching things, not doing that thing where we both at the same time go... Uh, right right here's to loose buttholes not clenched buttholes yes <laughs> alright thanks guys for listening Hanks be to Tom amen you know who put you know what a comedian who put their uh, whole body on the line Cat Stevens where the fuck is Cat Stevens at Williams. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and edit that out. Let's start again. You, where know, the... you know where that's going to end up in the episode, right? Yep. <laughs> you want to say goodbye to everyone? Goodbye, fans. <laughs>
honest mistake. Thanks for listening.